coming to the ring, Flood the Drummer and Richard Taylor. What's up, wrestling fans, and thanks for tuning in to Coming to the Ring. I'm Flood the Drummer in Philadelphia with Richard Taylor in Seattle. What's going on, Richard? Yo, Chris, what's up, bro? Good to hear it's from you, man. SummerSlam weekend. How are you feeling? I'm mm, indifferent. Indifferent. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get to why you feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as you know, WWE has always been in the business of recycling. Whether it be entrance music or gimmicks, what's old is somehow always new. And that's certainly true in 2019, where the finishing moves from the superstars of yesteryear, such as the Stone Cold Stunner and the Mandible Claw, are being adopted by today's current roster of talent. Even a major storyline on the television in past weeks seems eerily familiar to that of one which dominated the screen late in the year 2000. In this episode of Coming to the Ring, Richard Taylor and I will analyze this cyclical pro wrestling trend and its impact on the television product. In particular, whether it's helping wrestlers get over. So let's start, Richard, with Kevin Owens. He's using the Stone Cold Stunner. I, I can't remember when he first uh, used it, but I know that he used it on Shane McMahon uh, uh, last month, uh, the beginning of July. To me, I don't like it. It looks a little sloppy. He hasn't learned how to execute it. But more importantly, when I see it, I think about Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it creates this unnecessary comparison. What say you? Oh, God. So how do we say this without uh, being jerks? Uh, man, I, I would have to go back to our living color days with men on films and be like, hated it. Like, I literally <laughs> just. There are um... a lot of listeners who will not get that <laughs> reference, but I love it. Listen, if you if you are go go to YouTube and just look in Men on Films um, and in Living Color and you'll know what I'm talking about. But needless to say, I'm not a fan of it. Crystal, with the start of it, it actually started as the springboard stunner. Kevin Owens used to off of the ropes um, backwards and he would jump and catch the person or the opponent in the middle of a stunner. It worked then. Looking at it now like this, it's just horrible, man. It's been botchy um, yeah. almost every time that it's happened. It doesn't have a fluid look. It doesn't really look like it belongs. Um, and I think yeah. that that you don't want to force something that doesn't belong. Right. And, and and you're talking about a KO that's already had a phenomenal repertoire, like him coming over from the Indies to WWE, like do carry a huge repertoire of finishing moves and just moves in general that that really worked. Um, I know that Austin's kind of giving KO the nod on his podcast and stuff like that, but I am not the biggest fan of it because I just. I don't care for how it looks, Chris. I don't care yeah. for how it looks, man. Yeah, and if you guys are listening and you agree uh, with either one of us, because I think we both uh, are, are against it, make sure you tweet us. You can tweet me at Flood the Drummer. You can tweet Richard Taylor at Truly Taylor Made on Twitter, and you can just help. Uh, you can discuss uh, this with us uh, as you're listening to it, and we'll respond. So uh, let's move on to Bray Wyatt, uh, the new Bray Wyatt or the Fiend. Uh, personality of his he's using the mandible claw and i think we first saw it on the raw reunion show uh which again happened last uh, month uh and 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 in contrast to kevin owens this actually fits the uh bray wyatt character that they have now it's it, it aids his his sadistic nature it looks organic for him and we haven't really seen any variation of the mandible claw before or after mankind. So I, I give it a thumbs up on, on Bray Wyatt. What do you think? 
Yeah, Chris, no, I definitely give it a thumbs up as well, man. I love the way it looks. Uh, and like you said, just thinking about what the mandible claw represented, I know for me as a kid, when I used to see it, you know, before Mr. Sacco became like, oh, like, you know, this was a joke, but at the same time, they still took it serious. The mandible claw used to just creep me out because I'm like, man, like, you're really suffocating this person. Like, they can't breathe. You're going to kill them type of thing. And so, I don't know, man. I um, I think for, for Bray, it actually works really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Bray, his other finishing move, uh, Sister Abigail, to me, it was a little bit too similar to what Baron Corbin and, and others were doing. And sometimes a finishing move that had been used by other wrestlers that that wasn't a finishing move. And it, it, it didn't really look that menacing to me when Bray mm-hmm. Wyatt did. I think this is a very menacing finishing move. And because he's a menacing character, it just fits a lot, a lot much yeah. more organic. Uh, and flowing, because it's hard to botch that motherfucking move, right? You're just literally sticking yeah. your fingers down the guy's throat, or you're at least putting your fingers to the guy's face, because uh, as I learned listening to the Bruce Pritchard podcast, there was a working mandible claw, and there was a shoot mandible claw, and sometimes uh, Mick Foley would just put his fingers up to their mouth and, and bend it, so he wasn't actually putting it in there. Um, yeah. But no, I... I Definitely I, with I, that I, dirty sock, I would hope not. <laughs> as long as they don't <laughs> fuck it up with, with Bray Wyatt, you know, doing a puppet on his hand and doing the soccer thing, as long as they keep yeah. it, you know, I, I like they have it there, I, I'm good with it. I am too, man. Like I said, it fits them. I think it works well. Uh, it's kind of like looking at Foley 2.0. They got similar statures. I think it's just now on a more sadistic person from a scary standpoint. But when you think about Cactus Jack, you think about Mankind, and you think about Do Love and how he interchangeably used it with all of those characters, it worked. Absolutely. So I think it could work for Bray as well. So let's talk about whether uh, uh, for someone who, who this may not be working for, I think the, the creme de la creme of gimmick recycling, the one and only Dolph Ziggler, uh, who oh, uh, at SummerSlam uh, tomorrow, uh, we're recording this on Saturday, we'll take on Goldberg. We'll get into that in a second, too. Uh, uh, Ziggler is not just using a super kick. He's actually tuning up the band like Shawn Michaels. Uh, some say he looks like Shawn Michaels. Uh, Shawn Michaels even called him a ripoff of Shawn Michaels. Yeah, um, what do you think about how Dolph Ziggler incorporates the sweet chin music and in other elements of the Heartbreak Kid gimmick into his persona? You know what, man? In the spirit of Avengers Endgame and them being able to warp through time um, and just go back to the past when they needed to, I really just find myself going through the multiverse and the quantum realm just seeing Dolph Ziggler as a kid sitting on the sideline with the shirt on that had literally every member of DX. And he said, one day I'm going to be all of them. <laughs> and that is literally what we see right now. We see, we see Dolph Ziggler. Like, I mean, not to mention the fact, Chris, that he has a famouser. Right. He, he wears Billy Gunn's pants sometimes or short, like, it, and I love Ziggler, right? right. Like, he calls himself the show off where Shawn Michaels he, was the show stopper. Right. And I mean, he's walking gimmick infringement, but I don't know if that's a fault of his own or if that is just something that the WWE has tried to run with after knowing that maybe there was some influence there. But yo, like, I'm over it. Like, but don't you I'm think just he's like, been bro. doing the Shawn Michaels kind of thing for a minute now? Even before Shawn came back, he always just kind of. Oh yeah, he he has, and I was just like, yo, but like he to me, Ziggler is so much more talented than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like he carries so much more ability than just 
you know, and it's great to take from who you, you know, who you was, you know, were inspired from. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, bro, like you, you at some point in time, like let this man loose on being who he is outside of all of this, you know. Mm. What would you, you do? You a, think he has an identity outside of <laughs> other people's identity? I think he does, man. I look at Dolph uh, during his run, man. I remember when he had that huge, stupid pop. One of the biggest pops I'd ever seen when he cashed in that money in the bank contract uh, versus Del Rio. Like I, that era, that that phase of Ziggler, mm. I felt like we were seeing a lot of Dolph as Dolph, right? Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know what, though, Chris, I'll be completely honest, though. And I mean, I know a man's got to eat and a man's got to do what he's got to do to provide for himself, family, whatever the case might be. But, man, Ziggler's gotten the short end of the stick. He's a massive talent that's been underused. Um, and then he's been, when he has been used, he's been used, you know, too much on the side of um, the jobbing and just, mm-hmm. you know, let's just do enough to keep him around so he doesn't leave. And I'm just like, man, like Dolph to me is so much more than that. Dolph is the guy, I truly believe he's the guy who could carry the company if given the real Absolutely. He's a hell of oh, a man, worker. I... He could sell his ass off. He looks great. He could talk on the he's mic. He's a great talker. Right. Yeah. He's great on the mic. He doesn't need a mouthpiece. And he can actually wrestle. He could put on some clinics. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I don't get why they and job him out. I feel like, man, during the era of uh, 15 and 16, you know, like, Dolph could have been utilized so much better during that time, and really it, it would have set him up to be, you know, um, you know, uh, one of the faces of the company. And I, I feel like even though he's getting a lot of screen time right now, is he getting a lot of screen time in his in his best work as his best self? That's the question that I pose. Like, yes, we see him on the screen, but we're seeing him on the screen in a space to me that does not feel like the true, authentic Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think the fact that they are portraying him. So, so, so again, this, uh, uh, you know, as we're talking about recycling, this just came up to me. Uh, this just came to me. What he's doing is kind of a recycling of Randy Orton's legend killer gimmick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know That's kind of I mean? what it feels like. Yeah, where he's just like targeting legends, and there's no reason for. I mean, with 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 Randy, they made sense when he was doing it. He was a young, up and coming, snobby, you know, fucking hard headed guy. He thought he was better than all the legends, and he was going to prove them wrong. And he was doing that yeah. kick to the head, and there was some psychology around it. They haven't been able to explain why you took Dolph Ziggler from relative obscurity to now he's hating on all the legends for what? Why? Yeah, you know, at the the best I can give you right now is that it should have been me. Literally, every that's all Ziggler's been saying. It should have been me. That was his his whole plight with Kofi. Okay, it should have been me. But I'm you know what? Like, they should play that up a bit because I think I can understand that. P- play up the fact yeah. that so almost here we go with more recycling. Almost play up the way that uh, 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 Bret Hart and Jericho used to be the Cryberries after they lost matches and they would throw mm-hmm. tantrums and break the death. Give him more of that sore loser character, and I think he could own it. I think he could be such a heel, because uh, I think he's better as a heel, because he's so obnoxious. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make him an obnoxious, snobby heel who's entitled, who feel like he was entitled to the WWE Championship. He's entitled to being at the top, and that it's these, it's these part-timers who keep coming back that's stopping him from getting the shine he needs. I think if they, if they frame it that way, a little bit more explicitly, it makes sense to why he's doing what he's doing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Vince McMahon, give me a call, you know. 
ready, willing, and able. Um, so let's continue the conversation about recycling. Um, one of the storylines that's on TV that we thought we were going to get a blow off or at SummerSlam, but it appears it's not going to happen at SummerSlam. So there'll be some more time to tease it out. Is who's attacking Roman Reigns? And um, for uh, as I alluded to in the beginning, this is very much uh, uh, similar to the storyline in late uh, 2000 when The Rock, or I think it was Austin. Yeah, Austin had been uh, uh, attacked in the parking lot. Somebody was trying to run over him, and there was speculations as to who did it. It turned out to be Rakishi, which was a very underwhelming. Right, I did it for The Rock, the famous meme that came (laughs) out of that. Um, Of course, The Rock and Rakishi are related, and Rakishi was, I guess, suggesting he, you know, uh, the reasoning behind it was so convoluted, but I guess he, th- he didn't think Rock as an African-American Samoan champion was being treated the right way or framed the right way and needed some assistance. Um, that's when they kind of pushed Rakishi as a heel uh, and tried to put him in the main, main uh, card. It didn't really work out. But um, that's being applied now to Roman Reigns, another Samoan, part of the Inoha family, uh, Inoahi family, excuse me, and um, it's it said, you know, Buddy Murphy said on TV that it's Rowan who's behind this. I, I doubt that they're going to blow off the storyline that early. What do you think of it? Uh, I like it. I like it. Um, I think that there's so much that they could do here. Um, if you wanted to side Joe with Roman and maybe the Usos for a while, kind of have like a Samoan, um, you know, just – crew just running through the, the WWE. Wait, you saying Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, and the Usos? Yeah, man. That's something that the fans have been pushing for for a while. Like, yeah? like they would love to see a um, Samoan um, uh, 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 not tag team, but what, what do we call them? Like a stable. A stable. Yeah. And, and, just, and just let them kind of run wild with it. I think that's one, one, one side of it that we can see. I definitely do believe that it was But Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe are currently at odds, right? Aren't they? They are, but after, so did you see Raw um, at the I end did. of Raw? And so it's kind of like, it kind of put Joe in this position of like, man, like, as much as I don't care for Roman, like, I don't want to see him like this. So it's kind of like, even if they kind of tease that, okay, Joe is a quote-unquote face with Roman for now, but later on it'll turn. I just think it's good TV, right? Like, yeah, just to see what we could get from that. That I mean, this is prime time to do it, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, I actually like it. I don't think it was Rowan. I definitely think it was, you know, I want to say it was Daniel Bryan. His car was making a little too much noise, and I know he's about eco-friendly environment, so maybe that <laughs> engine wasn't his. Who knows, though, right? Mm-hmm. But either way, though, I think that... Um, I think but what were Daniel Bryan's... I mean, I guess they'll, they'll unveil the reasoning for it, but I, I, I don't know. I think that they should use this storyline um, to advance a new guy, somebody who's debuting, or somebody who who wants a top spot, maybe even Ziggler. <laughs> but I think yeah. like, give it to somebody that you want to then say we want to put them in a program with the top guy, and 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 and, and, and this guy is the, the the reason this guy was targeting Reigns is because if he felt like he can get Reigns out the picture, he had a better shot at getting to the top. You right. know, yeah, I don't know I what sure. I don't know what they get out of it by putting it on Rowan or, or Brian. This- you know what? And this kind of goes to a conversation that you and I were having off air. This is the beauty, though, of what I really want to see more of in wrestling, which is 
us not having all the answers to try and piece this thing together right now. You mm. know what I mean? Like, who knows what the creative minds of Paul Heyman and Bischoff and whomever else they have working um, behind the scenes with this storyline and a few others have in mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that the 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 mystery around it actually excites me a little more. And I think that's why I'm kind of like anticipating seeing it. Okay. Because I'm like, man, you just never know. And I'm like, hey, take me for a loop, WWE. Like, I'm paying y'all $9.99 a month, $11.99 with taxes. But, I mean, just, you know, take me for a loop. <laughs> okay. Take me for a loop. So, are you saying that you haven't spent a lot of time thinking about who it is? You just are waiting for it to be revealed and just kind of relishing? I'm thinking about who it is. But at the same time, I'm not setting my heart to be like, oh, this, it was this person that's my final guess, and that's it. Because I'm like, hey, you know what? We might end up getting a swerve in there. And if we do, I'm okay with that. Like, 100%. Right. I'm good. What do you think about, just kind of a side note real quick, do you feel like this, you know, on, on, on Monday, I think it was Monday, um, when, when, he had, when, he, when he had that, when Roman Reigns had that encounter with, with Buddy Murphy, was that Tuesday or Monday? That was Tuesday. That was Tuesday. I felt like they kind of buried Buddy Murphy. He's a tough guy, and he just had Roman Reigns throwing him around the uh, locker room like a rag doll. Yeah, he he low-key took a little bit of an L there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, he did, but that's the thing, though, too. I think they might actually extend this piece with Buddy and Roman um, just a little more as far as, like, a, a revenge factor, which could really play into a greater storyline as well. So I'm excited to see that part, just to know, like, hey, what are you all doing with this? And um you know, it's like Buddy Murphy's not just going to let this just happen and pass by and just be okay with it. Like, I really do feel like there is some retaliation coming that could really mess with Roman's chances at a, maybe a championship. Who knows? But I, I, I think that there's more there. Mm. I think that it's uh, John Moxley. Oh, God. <laughs> Driving Here the car. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. But no, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, I'm fine with the way the storyline is going to play out. I, 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 I like it. I don't like the acting uh, in it. Um, the, the when the initial accident happened, the way that it was it so didn't look like it didn't look. Yeah. You know, it was like it was like, it was like Roman Reigns looked at it falling instead of like trying to run. He's just kind of looking like, oh no, it's you know, it's falling on me. Um, it looked a little bit too staged. Um, and I guess you know the the anecdote you hear about backstage WWE is everything is scripted. Sometimes it's it's overscripted. Uh -huh. This storyline feels a little overscripted, um, but I like this idea of Roman Reigns being vulnerable, not knowing you know when someone is going to um, attack him, and and I like this idea of Joe becoming sympathetic, like like no you know I want Roman Reigns on the top of his game. I don't want him injured. I don't want him distracted. I want Roman at the top, and so I'm gonna protect him. Because of my self-interest, because I wanted a mm. five-star match with him, not because I necessarily like him. Right, right, right. No, real. That's real. So I can see the alliance of convenience rather than you know, exactly. so I'd rather see the alliance of convenience rather than a, a stable built just because they're Samoan. That and that's kind of what I'm thinking. I feel like it's WWE though. So you know how they do. They typically flip blacks with blacks, foreigners with foreigners, right? And they create teams, right? And so like the Kabuki just, Warriors. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's another that's another podcast for another day. Absolutely. Honestly. Uh, but I I really I feel like this is is a is, is prime opportunity to just at least utilize what they have. And if they did decide to go that route right now, at least one of the things that we'd be getting is um, you know some great great workers together 
you know, in this space. So that's that that bit excites me. Do you think? I mean, is is it more situational than definitive that using finishing moves, or I should say, reassigning finishing moves and storylines, does it help a wrestler get over, or does it, in the mind of the viewer, automatically make that wrestler you you automatically compare that wrestler to the the person who came before it, and then in that in that instance, you're like, oh, well, that's not how Stone Cold did it, so thus. Kevin Owens isn't doing it right. Oh, mankind didn't apply it, you know, like the mandible claw like that. So that's that's you looking at Bray Wyatt, or is it more just situational where it's it's Kevin Owens isn't doing good with it, but Bray Wyatt is doing great with it. That's tough, Chris. I will say that I think that it's hard. I mean, when you see the move itself, the move itself really is what causes it to be one of those things where you look at the. Um, where you look at the old wrestler, right? Because the, the new wrestler could do it great, but it's like, yo, because of where we saw it first, it's almost like a nostalgic thing of taking you back to when you originally saw it. And that's where the comparison starts to seep in. Right. Right? So it's like, I get what they're doing, but it's just, I think the question really starts to become the end. Um, it, it does it become counterproductive, right? Like, if we try and, if we're trying to get this move on somebody else, maybe it's not to get them over, but maybe it just, it fits who they are and what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I think that we, we've got to be open to wrestlers being who they are and, and utilizing what they have rather than trying to use moves of old folks. Like, unless, I mean, some moves are just going to be common, like the spear, for example, right? Like, Goldberg had it, but before Goldberg, somebody else had it. Roman uses it. Bobby Lashley uses it. Um, I know. Rhino, right? And they called it the Gore. At least with Rhino, they called it the Gore. They gave it a different name, and he tried to make it look a little different, right? Like right. I'm gonna run through you rather than spear. Edge used it, like. So I don't know, Chris. Um, I think that you know some moves are just kind of there, but then at the same time, I'm like, you have moves that were kind of like once in a lifetime, and the stunner Stone Cold perfected that, right? He perfected so it. he did. From I mean, the kick uh, to the to the way it was executed, it always looked great. And the people always showed their asses off for it. Right. And that's the thing, too. You got to be able to give it a good name. Like, you think, uh, look at DDP with uh, the Diamond Cutter, right? Right. Uh, Randy Owen, ha- Randy Randy Orton had the RKO. Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy both did the Twist of Fate, right? But they're essentially the same move. Right. It's a cutter. Know, just, but at the end of the day, right, I think, you know, it, it, it's definitely going to make it harder, too, when you got Michael Cole screaming in the background, stutter, stutter, like. <laughs> Vintage Kevin Owens. Right, no, um, remake Stone Cold. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to be careful, man. I don't know. We got to be careful with that. That's like if you start seeing a wrestler start doing the tombstone, which I hope they don't do. You'd be like, eh, uh, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But again, there's only but so many moves, I guess. Um, you know, you watch but you watch some of the independent stuff, man. They the shit they come up with. You're like, oh, I've never seen that before. You know? But I mean look, mm-hmm. I guess you got Rey Mysterio using the frog splash, you know, for Eddie. Um or RBD, who who whoever he's uh paying homage to. I, I don't really like it on Rey Mysterio. I like the six one nine and then the the seated mm-hmm. Santan, uh, but listen, I I think that you know when I think about the greatest recycling, uh, and I give you time to, to think about it as I'm telling this story, the greatest 
time uh, or the best recycling that WWE did for me uh, from a gimmick perspective, I think, was JBL. They kind of reinvented the Ted DiBiase money gimmick um, and just put a different twist on it. But instead of Virgil, you had Orlando Jones uh, and and, and JBL was, uh, you know, this he didn't really try to buy people off as much as he was just this obnoxious, wealthy wrestler who had the black servant and was above it all. But they made it work. And, you know, I listened to one of the uh, uh, Bruce Pritchard podcasts on this topic, and they talked about they didn't really think they were going to get the JBL character off. But it was who JBL really was. He was on CNBC giving stock and financial tips, and he had written books about it. And it was really an an extension of who he was as much as it was a recycling of the the Ted DiBiase getting. But but JBL was able to do it and make it his own to where when you seen JBL, you didn't go, oh, that's some Ted DiBiase ripoff shit. You was like, oh, that's JBL. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very true. Um, Do you have a similar, do you have one that you think, when you think about the, the time where WWE actually really got it right with either a finishing move or a gimmick? Honestly, no. Um, not not as of lately. Uh, what about Ezekiel Jackson as the reinvention of Ahmed Johnson? <laughs> hell, <laughs> no, 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 Chris, no. That is hilarious, but no. Um, I think that, um, man, I, um, oh, geez, who, that's the thing, like, we don't really have, somebody right now that kind of because that's the thing like when you think about wwe and it at least let's take its main gimmicks that we usually have we typically have the pretty hair blue eyed blonde hair white boy that's just kind of like i break all the rules right mm-hmm. um you have the snotty jr i mean a uh, jbl type you usually have um, one goof that really just kind of keeps the crowd entertained which would be today's our truth Mm. you know you've got somebody like the Miz who is Hollywood so you know if it's not the financial advisor it's the Hollywood A-lister right like it's but it's it's it, they kind of typically flow in the same realms like nothing is different you right. have your Tajiris you have your you know you're now your Asuka you're like the Kabuki Warriors like it and so I feel like wrestling as a whole is repackaged every so often Mm. even with the characters like we're not and i think this is and this might be a little off topic but i think this is why some of the indie scene definitely in light of like the aew might be thriving a little more right now because you are taking people outside of that regular five to six person narrative role and you're you're making characters that are a little more relatable Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, so much is recycled. Right. I feel like I'm watching the Bushwhackers over again when I see um, the steak and eggs. What's the, I, the the tag team that's out now? I can't remember the name of them. Jeez. Um, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't even think of them. They just came up from NXT not too long ago. The Viking Warriors? But- the Viking, no, no, not the Viking Warriors. The the one with the short, heavy set dude that does the worm. Um, now I can't remember. Heavy, heavy machinery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There we go. I feel like I'm rewatching certain stuff, and and they don't get me wrong. Heavy machinery probably does a really good job of it. They are very entertaining, but at the same time, Chris, 
I'm just like, man, I feel like these teams, these people, like isn't that the same thing with these guys? I forgot their names, but they're like the reinvention of crime time. The two black guys, the NXT tag champs. Yeah, the uh, oh god, yeah, and I actually love them. Um, it's not, it's not the primetime players, is it? Is it primetime players? No, that was Darren, Darren, Young yeah, that was Darren and Titus, right? Um, geez, uh, the Street Profits, Street Profits, yeah, Street Profits, yeah. So, I mean, they're great, they're they're entertaining, but don't you get a crime time vibe from them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's a part of the five to six, like, main character type of things you will see, right? That one black group that gives you the mindset of, like, like you said, crime time players or crime time or you know, crime you know, time you know, attack team. Crime time players. I mean, that's the thing, man. When they, they use us all in the same space, so it becomes one, right? Nation of domination. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, I, I just feel but like. But you know what? They've we, never done anything like nation domination since. That was, that was really groundbreaking. This this black militant. I mean, you go back and watch some of the nation domination shit in uh, late '96, early '97. They were they were getting kind of, you know, the things that Ahmed Johnson would say to each other about race and the things they would say about the company. Some of it was like a shoot. It was pretty intense. Oh, it definitely was. It definitely was, man. Um, I was actually watching a, a old clip of it earlier today. It just randomly popped up and. Uh, I got a laugh out of it because you're absolutely right. There was so much in it. It was groundbreaking. I remember the feud that they had going on with DX when DX was trying to mimic them mm-hmm. um, and all of that. And I, I just couldn't help but to laugh because I was like, wait, I totally forgot that Owen Hart used to run with the nation. Yes. Like just one, <laughs> round, I'm like, one random ass white boy just, just there. No reason why he's there. No explanation. He's just running with the nation. Chris, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, here we go. I hear you now. Yeah, I was just saying that it was a uh, there was really no explanation for why Owen Hunt ran with the nation. It was it was kind of oh, random. He was an ally. He was like Bernie Sanders back in the day. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think man. he may be the first person in history to compare Owen Hunt to Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I don't think that's ever been done. Oh, he was a white ally. He was, a... was the white ally. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, my nigga. <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, speaking of recycling, the one recycle gimmick that 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 comes to mind that I don't like, and, and maybe it's just because I think this wrestler could be doing more, is the Robert Rude character, the reinvention of Rick Rude. Yeah. Um, I, I, Robert, I mean Bobby Rude and TNA was phenomenal when he was with James Storm, one half mm-hmm. of Beer Money and, and, and even his single stuff. He is a really, really good worker. He's never been given the chance to shine on the main roster the way he should. I don't know why they're saddling him with these stupid gimmicks. When he was doing the um uh uh, uh what was it what was the adjective they were using for him? What um, the glorious glorious, glorious yeah, yeah. When he was doing the glorious thing. I like that. Um when they paired him with Chad Gable, it got a little cheesy. And um, and now they have him doing the Robert Roode thing with the mustache. It, he's just, he's getting lost. Looking out you there know, like, Cap, he's looking like Captain Confederate. I, yep, I see, you, you know. know what? 
Oh man, that boy had that Chris Evans mustache. I was like, yes. here we go. Looking like that's Baker a, Mayfield. That's a that's a pedophile mustache. <laughs> that is definitely a white van with no plates mustache. And a white mommy. van with sunglasses on. Yes, sir. Free ice cream. I'm straight. Thank <laughs> you, sir. Um, but no, man, I think that um I think that with so it's funny you say that because when I saw him with the glorious gimmick, it reminded me so much of Ric Flair that I was tired Absolutely. Of. I Absolutely. Was, I was over it, Chris. So, yeah. like, even to see him now, like, I'm like, yo, like, y'all might as well just let him be, you know, beer money. Like, just right. Right. let him run wild with that. Because he did get super cheesy with Gable. Speaking of which, did you see the new haircut that Chad Gable is rocking? Yes. Oh, man. I didn't even recognize him at first. I didn't recognize him either. He actually looks good. I like it. I mean, he he it's does. A little, he's but... a little cleaner. He's a little leaner. Um, he's cleaner and leaner. <laughs> I guess so, man. But he definitely looked like somebody's little brother. He does look like somebody's little brother. I was like, um, I don't know what's happening right now. But I was like, who? I thought he was one of those guys that you use as, like, backup security. Yeah, I thought he was an enhancement talent. I was like, what is he doing? On this... <laughs> <laughs> he, he needs something to define him. Maybe some, some blonde, high, some dark you know, highlights or something to bring it out. Maybe grow a beard with that cut, you know, um, something to help them stand out. I mean, all of that's what it is for some of these wrestlers like Robbie Roode and Chad Gable, and they need something to help them stand out. And it doesn't always have to be a repackaging. I think the WWE found its biggest success in the attitude ever when they just let these wrestlers be who they are. Absolutely. An extension of who they are. That's when you were able to get The Rock and Stone Cold and Mr. Ass and, and Triple H and Sean doing the things they did, it, it, the very jovial and juvenile things they did, when they were just able to be extensions of themselves. This, this, they're forcing it on some of these wrestlers, and it comes across sports. Mm-hmm. No, I agree, a hundred percent. So I, I think WWE has to just back their hands up a little bit. I, it, it, you know, I know they got a team of writers and they micromanage everything these wrestlers say, uh, but when you when you overscript it and you overrecycle it. Again, talking about the impact on the product, it doesn't come off the way they, they I know that they want it to come across. I, and I know, look, I know these wrestlers are not, these writers are not sitting in their rooms like, okay, how can we fuck it up? How can we bury these wrestlers? They want to do a good job. Uh, I just think they're in a bubble. Right. You know what I mean? They're this WWE bubble. They got to break out of it. So, yeah, no, I totally agree, man. I totally you, agree. You still haven't been able to think of any recycling that you actually like? <laughs> no. No, uh, like Bray I mean, Wyatt. I mean, outside of Bray Wyatt, like no, I haven't. Um, I feel like, like I said, Ziggler doesn't feel authentic. You know, it's just kind of like, all right, because that's the thing, man. A lot of the gimmicks that are being recycled are cheesy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would say, if anybody, the, the the closest person probably would be the Miz. And I don't know who is he. Who would he be recycling? Well, I mean, so Miz Miz has that like that big. Hollywood, I'm better than you aura, right? So to a degree, Miz would kind of remind me of a little bit of The Rock when he came back after he did The Mummy from a standpoint of he was Mr. Hollywood. Okay. Right? And so Miz uses that well to his advantage. He's obviously a great talker on the mic. He does his own show. But then he's Miz is like one of those hybrids, though, because he reminds me when he's in heel phase of JBL too, when it comes to the fact that he is a big money maker, he's A-list Hollywood. He doesn't really associate with things that are beneath him. Like those small things, mm. they work really well for him. 
Mm-hmm. They work really well from his character. And this is a guy who really made his way from doing, you know, YouTube videos to get him put on in mm-hmm. the wrestling industry. <laughs> that is the closest that I get to it. That and then, I mean, just from a national standpoint, Braun Strowman, Braun is just a monster. He's right. a big man. He dominates. He's honestly, to me, he's got more charisma than the big show. They haven't used him correctly, though. So I feel like it's kind of worked against him. Because right. it's become cliche-ish. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I mean, again, another one, Corbin, uh, not Corbin, um, Strowman is somebody who could carry the company. He is huge. He's believable as a monster. I, I don't. He, he's big and sweaty the way Vince likes him, and he's white, so I don't understand <laughs> where the problem is. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, the other recycling that may be going under the radar for people is – uh, no Way Jose's conga line. To me, that's just, uh, they got rid of Adam Rose and the Rosebuds and gave the party line to uh, No Way Jose. And I don't know if it works for No Way Jose any more than it worked for Adam Rose. Speaking yeah, of Braun no. Strowman. <laughs> right? No, that's true, right? Like, you had the Rosebuds, he was running around doing his thing there. Like, and I mean, I don't know, Chris. It just, I felt like those gimmicks are the one, because that, that's the thing, like, those wrestlers, man, some of those guys you named are massively talented. And then just mm. to see how they end up doing it, though, I'm just like, yo, WWE, what are you guys doing? Like, please stop killing off what could be such good, good, good TV, good wrestling. Mm. You know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. seeing, seeing, seeing folks in their, in their respective primes right now, but then seeing it taken away because just that box that they are constantly putting in. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, last question before we wrap up. This is kind of random. Does Ginger Hall still work for the company? I, I feel like That's I a good question. I feel like I haven't seen him in a really long time. There are several people that I want APDs out on. Ginger is definitely in that list. I'm trying <laughs> to figure out where Rusev is right now. Like, mm. I really, I miss seeing my boy Rusev. Um, I know you hit me up the other day asking about Leo Rush. Leo Rush. Uh, I was like, I don't know where Leo Rush is right now. <laughs> like, I mean, I know he's small. Maybe he got lost. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I'm I miss like, these guys. These guys actually had original gimmicks. Like, you know, Leo Rush, Rusev Day. These were, you know, this was this was kind of fresh. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, of course, I don't know WWE, where they have uh, disappeared. WWE finds a way to just mess it all up, man. I'm just, come on, guys. (laughs) Is there anything you wanted to uh, say that we haven't had a chance to cover yet? Man, SummerSlam is tomorrow. I'm super excited about it. I got a few predictions um, and who I think is going to win. Don't forget, it's taking place in, was it Toronto, Ontario, actually? Yes. Um, And so just excited to see. I know they got Trish Stratus coming back. She's a hometown girl. What what match are you looking forward to most? Man, I really want to see what they do with Seth and Brock. I don't think it's going to be a squash match. Um, okay. I, I want to see how they're going to kind of play up this whole underdog piece with him. And then um, I honestly think that the Ziggler and Goldberg match might be better than what we're giving it credit for from a standpoint. If people think that, that uh, Ziggler is just going to get squashed in it. Okay. I don't I don't see that happening. I'm, I, I actually have a theory, and I'm wondering if they'll keep with Bray attacking legends but man does do they do they get him over even more by doing something to Goldberg that causes Ziggler to win like I don't know like I just I'm like we got a legend on the show anything is possible who knows oh if Bray Wyatt attacked Goldberg that could be amazing 
I, you know, Chris, you know, I'm, I, a broke clock is right twice a day. This is my first time. So all I'm saying is, is, hey, if it happens, man, you heard it here. And I'm, I think it would be great. I think it would be really genius. And I think it would be completely unexpected. Absolutely. Um, I think and, and Kofi Kingston is facing. Um, um, who's his opponent tomorrow? I got for Kofi, 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 Kofi is facing Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Yes. I like the way that they've built that up and played off of their old heat when he called them stupid for botching yeah. a move. Uh, I like the way they incorporated that. Um, Randy Orton, you know, it's hard to have a bad match with Randy. He's a ring veteran. Uh, I don't think they should put the title on him. I'm kind of tired of seeing Randy Orton as champ. But, yeah. I, but Orton could definitely put um, a uh, great Kofi match over on. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Kofi, I think Kofi will win. And I think, you know, um, Orton will do the job. And uh, I think Seth Rollins, I don't know, man. He's been getting his ass kicked lately. I, I, yes. I, I hope that he can... He's gotten whooped back. so much. He's gotten whooped so much that it makes me believe that he's gonna go over on Lesnar. Okay, I, I feel like he's gonna be a squash, but I, I, I hope you're right. But it's like if he goes over on Lesnar, then we have to think about like, okay, what happens next with Brock? Like, is Brock taking a break? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so much, Chris. Yeah. All right, Richard. Tell people where they can get in contact with you. How can they find oh, you online? Man, social medias, man. RichardTaylorJr.com is my website. Uh, Richard.TaylorJr. is the handle on Instagram. At TrulyTaylorMade is the handle on Twitter. Richard L. Taylor Jr. on Facebook. I do not have the luxury of being as cool as my co-host Christopher Norris where I can have the same name on every media site. (laughs) (laughs) And as Richard alluded to, you can follow me on social media. That's Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at FloodTheDrummer. And uh, don't forget to uh, leave a five-star and a review if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts. This podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, including on the Goodman Project. So shout out to those guys. Woo. And uh, you should tweet uh, Richard and I as you're listening to this. You know, we may be in the gym or on the bike trail while you're listening. But, you know, if you tweet us, we will respond. We're wrestling fans just like you. and We want to communicate about the product. And maybe, maybe you can actually be on the show with this one day. Absolutely. That'd be something. With that being said, Chris, real quick, I just want to give a shout out to the few folks that I have met in my gym over the last three weeks who are massive wrestling fans. They've come in with shirts. I've told them about coming to the ring. They've been tuning in. Two of the brothers, two of the brothers are twins. They actually are on the Everett Washington episode of Monday Night Raw they are twins. They sit right in the front. They do. They had the best seats in the house. You saw them on every segment of Raw that took place um, when Undertaker came out, the one that I went to a few weeks ago. And, uh, man, I, I saw those guys. I was like, yo, you all are living legends now. Like, you all were on screen with the Undertaker. Like, nobody can ever <laughs> take that away from you. So shout out, shout out to all the folks at the gym at the Everett LA Fitness who have um, tuned in to come into the ring after our conversations, man. Wow, I love it that you're you're marketing the podcast as you're working out. <laughs> we got to get some coming to the ring T-shirts for you to wear out there. Yeah, man, um, absolutely. But that is that's that's this is how it's just going to be. You know, one listener, two listeners, three listeners at a time. We're going to be building this up, and uh, and again, there's nothing wrestling fans like more than just uh, 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 shooting the shit. And so again, uh, be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, uh, coming to the ring wherever you get your podcast. Follow Richard Taylor and I on social media. And uh, tweet us your thoughts even on SummerSlam uh, in real time or after the show. We'll love to talk to you about it. For Richard Taylor, 
Until next time, I'm Flood the Drummer, and I'm Drumming for Justice. Thanks for listening. Peace.